And we're back. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great cinema draft game. And we are welcoming back our longtime cinema draft player, defender, gladiator, gaming enthusiast. It's your boy, the Hebrew Hammer. It's Mike Stringer. Hello, hello. Don't forget on my uh, my list of accolades there, Cinema Draft Mom's favorite player. Okay. I don't I take, I I take much pride in that title. So what I do believe at one point she did say that. I think it's I think it's a rough between you and Jay Devil. I will check with the draft mom right after this. <laughs> Guarantee. And so how how's your quarantine going? I have to ask the guest because it's reality of life, but we you know how's your quarantine going? Uh it's good, man. It's good. Honestly, it's not much of a quarantine. Um I you know, I've been working through the whole thing. Uh, my wife's been working, but you know, it's uh it's going. It's a different normal. Uh, you know, I'm I'm more thankful than ever that I live in a house with a backyard where I can get outside and keep my sanity and not have to be stuck inside. But, you know, we push through and uh, we keep it going. 100%. Well, glad to hear it. We all got to do what we need to do to get by. And what I like to do is podcast. So let's get to my favorite segment, What We're Watching. That's right. And I had quite a weekend. I went back to, to my childhood, to my past. I went back to the future, the Back to the Future trilogy. Very exciting for me to rewatch it. It's been, actually, I think I used to have the box set. I usually would just go straight for, for Back to the Future 2, but I actually took the time to do the whole trilogy, and it was outstanding. I know, this, I, know, I know you've probably seen it, but what are your memories of Back to the Future, if anything? Well, I'll date myself here, Ed, but I just saw on the IBDM that, uh, the, what was the release date on that? 1985. Right. So I wasn't even born yet. Um, so oh. I don't remember the release of Back to the Future. No, no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously I have seen all three, you know, um, but I, I grew up in the generation where, you know, the Nike Air Mags and the self-lacing shoes were, were actually close to a reality and actually exist now. So uh, I'm still waiting on my hoverboard. But other than that, you know, a real one, not one with two wheels. Um, other than that, you know, obviously – Every time it's on, I think it counts as one of those movies of the list that it just ends up staying on, right? You flip through, you see it's on, and the next thing you know, you've watched the whole movie again. So, uh, you know, that would be my my take on it. Yeah, 100%. And it just – there's so much of it to love. It really does hold up. I, I usually um, – so what I found interesting in this rewatch is that there's almost like a th- – uh, a third layer of joke. So it's, it's so aggressively of its time of 1985. I saw it um, in, in theaters. I think my mom took me to it. I think it was like nine is yeah. Summer of, of, of 85. So it was nine and, and loved it. Couldn't wait for the, the sequels, which took four years. It was kind of annoying, but when they came around, it, it was like back to back. One came out summer 89, then three came out summer of 90 and which was really rare back then. Like they rarely shot films back to back back then. And it, and what I, with the third layer of the joke, uh, though, is that it's so aggressively of its time that that you're already, you're already laughing about you know the comedy within the actual movie, but then you're also laughing at how 1985 it is, and and now, and then you're also laughing at how from your 2000 perspective of not only the fashion, what they're saying. I mean, all of of Michael J. Fox's slang, I guess, was current at the time. Everything's heavy and far out, <laughs> but it's so 80s. It's like oh, okay, that's that's really funny, but it still holds up. It's a great. It's a great uh, trilogy. The two, you know, one and two, obviously, are the best. Three, 
not bad, but not as good as the first two. You know, penalty that it really sh- shouldn't matter to me, uh, to most people. But to me, Back to the Future Two is is great because it really gave you a, a colorful vision of the future. And I was like kind of too young to really be into Blade Runner at the time. And so Back to the Future Two, I think, was was one of the first movies that really showed a future that that looked fun. I mean, weird colors, you know, auto, you know, auto mag or auto, auto lace Nikes and, and, and hoverboards. And, and I'm still waiting on my flying car, damn it. Back to Future Day already passed October 21st, 2015. No flying car. Come on, Elon, get on that. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, so that one, I think the release date said 89, right? So again, yeah, yeah, summer 89. I have a unique, pers- I, I was one. So, um, <laughs> I, I have a unique perspective of a lot of these movies, the trilogies and things that, that people love from in my world back in the day, I got to watch back to back to back. I didn't have to wait four years. Right. Yeah. I, I got to just rip through them because they all existed already. Um, so well, definitely so a different viewing experience for sure. Yeah. Cause I, it was, I remember uh, seeing it too. I think I was, yeah. Summer going to freshman year maybe. And so I remember seeing it at like, we used to have these one screen movie palaces and that was definitely one that was packed the gills. I remember seeing from, from the balcony of, of the sixth and Blanchard theater. Ah, such great times, such great times. Really love it. So yes, that was what I was watching this weekend. Uh, and also I, I can't forget, we must give it up for Alan Silvestri's score. Probably one of the, the top five musical scores in history. Just, I mean, when you hear the, the, the theme music, I mean, it just gets you ready to, to run through walls. So I love that score. Big shout out to Alan Silvestri, still doing it after all these years, scoring for the Avengers movies. So keep getting the checks, man. Keep getting the checks. And from our draft stream game, what I did watch this weekend was The Lovebirds. Have you had a chance to check out The Lovebirds? I did. So I'll be, it's funny. I know we're going to discuss what, what I've been watching, but I have yet to watch anything from, uh, from the call sheet. Uh, ah. and I'll, I'll explain why later. But, yeah, I, I have yet to watch a single show or movie that has, with the, with the exception of the Jordan documentary, uh, that has been on the call sheet the past few weeks. Well, since we are not sponsored yet or anything, we're you're you're in a safe space. It's perfectly fine. I took the hit for us. I watched The Lovebirds, and I have to admit, I was extremely excited about this movie when I saw all the advertising in theater. They they've been promoting it since roughly January, and then of course they made the pivot to streaming, like we all have, and it it just doesn't hold up. It's it's okay. Like I love I love the idea of these two in a relationship. I love the way they set it up too. Like the relationship is on the verge of, of breaking up and they're both inherently funny people. Um, they're okay together. It, it's fine. But what you, what we normally don't get to see is, is, uh, is two romantic leads who are people of color who, you know, are actually in the middle of, of like, just kind of like a regular adventure kind of murder mystery thing. So I, I like that aspect to it. It's got its moments, but I think I rated it six out of 10 on, on IMDb. And that's kind of where it ended up. Uh, Issa Rae, I saw her other film that came out earlier this year, The Photograph. I mean, I know I, it's, it's, it, I know a lot of people like really loved it. I did not. I just felt like she had no chemistry with our boy, um, Lakeith Stanfield. But I, I, I really want to see her succeed on film. She's great in Insecure. I love Insecure, a.k.a. The Black Civil War. <laughs> it comes on every week on Twitter. It's great. But this movie, it just didn't quite click for me, so I'm, I'm still waiting for her to break out. Keep getting those checks, though, Issa. It was rated what, though? No, I think when I logged in up Netflix the other day, number three. USA Today had it number three on uh, on Netflix top ten 
for oh yeah yeah hopefully it pays off yeah hopefully it pays off as an investment for netflix and and i i want both these guys to succeed i want them both to keep getting their checks i i paid money to see stuber or actually i use my amc a list to see stuber <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great but you know i you know keep getting those swings at bat kumail yeah. hilarious in silicon valley made that show rest in peace that was a fun show and just not quite the vehicle for both of them but i'm glad they're getting some shine so what are you watching mike so I've kind of gone and I've taken the, the, the quarantine and used it to catch up on a lot of shows that uh, I either just didn't have the time to sit down and watch or people said were great and I didn't get to watch them. Uh, so the, the most recent show I just finished was actually Good Omens on ah. uh, Amazon Prime, which uh, had rave reviews to start. And then, um, you know, people had all these great things to say. It looked interesting and I just never got to watch it. So uh, that was my most recent binge. Um, so what, what do you think of it? Did you like it? Cause I, me and I the enjoyed it. Started and we couldn't, we watched the first episode and we were kind of out. Uh, no, I enjoyed it. I, I did yeah. enjoy it. Um, I thought it was, it could have been, it wasn't as geared towards the adult viewing, um, audience as I thought it was going to be right. It, it became very like PG, PG 13 towards the middle of the season, I would say. Um, and then followed up and finished that way. Uh, they, they crammed a lot into one season of a show, right? I think they could have done probably two seasons of, of what they did, um, fleshed it out, and it would have been a better show. But I, I enjoyed it for what it was, and, and uh, the, the filming of it, the, the writing I thought was, was super top-notch, um, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I'd watch it again, you know, uh, from start to finish. All right, and, and something else you were watching? Do you have anything else you were watching? Uh, well, that was the most recent, um, and then I actually uh, <laughs> I've gone back into the vault again, uh, and I have restarted Sopranos for probably the fourth time, fifth oh. time um, start to finish. Uh, and so, yeah, like I said, I've really been going back. I gave uh, our good friend and podcast player uh, or podcast guest uh, Jay Devlin a shot, uh, and threw Lost on, uh, and I just couldn't I couldn't do it. Uh, um, I, I know that's blasphemy to a lot of people, um, but I, I got through about, uh, I want to say six episodes, six, eight episodes. And I just, I couldn't do it. The big train smoke monster. I just, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't wow. do it. No, yeah. fair, fair enough. And, and what's interesting about Lost is that they take a, well, I don't know how realistic a plane crash on a desert island premise is, but <laughs> You know, as realistically as possible, you know, the, the ultimate what if scenario and and it's and then they take a decided turn towards like the mystical. And if you're just not on board, then I get it. You're not on board. I personally love Lost. I haven't done a rewatch. I might do a rewatch one of these days. I haven't done a rewatch of The Sopranos either. I just watched it in real time and, and enjoyed it. Um, but I, now I'm I'm. I'm feeling a bit inspired. I've got so much of a backlog of my, of, of my uh, uh, cultural <clears throat> cultural myopia to take care of. Like I just started the Shield. Haven't seen the Shield before. Um, there, okay. there's shows like that that I need to take care of. But yeah, a rewatch of Sopranos is in order. And yeah, now you got to be kind of inspired for rewatch of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I, I caught a lot of heat and I caught a lot of flack for it. But I couldn't. I had to bow out. I, Jay uh, Devlin does love him some Lost. Yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. So well, fair enough. Well, great, great stuff. Let's move on to our next segment, and this is going to be 
the top five movies you wished you could watch again for the very first time. Great, and I gotta give it up to you, Stranger. Your <laughs> idea, great subject. I mean, I've, I've I've got like a list of of some ideas to cover. This was definitely not on it, so I love the I love you bringing this idea to us, the Cinema Draft Podcast audience. So let's go over the rules real quick of how this works. You name a movie you wish you could have watched again for the first time. Once you, uh, we alternate picks. Once someone picks that movie, it is out of play. And I and I rarely do I have to do too much advanced prep for these podcasts, but because you came with such a strong idea, I actually had to think this through. So I'm ready. I've got <laughs> ten titles, so you can pick every single one of them. I'm I'm covered. All right, <laughs> ten titles. You are you are our guest, aka draft mom's favorite. So you go first. What do you, what you got? So I will be knocking one off of your list for sure with this one. Okay. But I got to preface this, right? So the movies that are on this list are by far not the top five greatest movies, I think, at all, right? I have different reasons for all my picks that um, whether it's just they were so good the first time I watched them or I rewatched them a hundred times and wish I could experience them the first again. Um, But I'll start with one that I know is on both of our lists with Get Out and keep it recent. (laughs) God dang it. How do you know? Bruh. <laughs> Got me. Wow. Well done. Go ahead. Speak. Speak your rationale. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, just I, I think the rationale speaks for itself, right? Phenomenal movie that um, it holds up for multiple views. Um, but I think that even though every time you watch it, the first couple of times you, you you pick up on other things, you see things that you didn't see the first time. That very first time watching it, it was just you know it was a lot to take in. It was a lot to process. Uh, and just a just phenomenal movie overall. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Go ahead. You can join. You can join me in your sunken place and let me know what you think. I, oh awesome. man, uh, that, yeah. That's I mean, phenomenal pick, Stranger. You're playing the game the way you play <laughs> as per usual. And yeah, the reason why I did get out, if for nothing else, for one scene only. It could be for. I mean, the, the entire thing's a ride. You don't know where it's going with this, especially. If you if if you saw like the opening weekend before any real word got out or 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 expectation, I saw it like I think on a Thursday night preview as anticipated. And what was great about this? It's a great viewing experience with with an audience in a theater when they don't know what's going to happen. But one scene alone, especially especially for a black man, at the very end when it looks like she's going to get away with it, and the cop car's coming, and we're like, oh god, he's fucked. Like I mean. <laughs> And and I mean I think I saw it in in, in Vegas and so the audience was was probably mixed with it but every Blackbird had that sunken feel like oh my god the cops are not going to help and it's our boy it's Lil Rel Howery's you know TSA cop coming to save the day it was phenomenal uh, so just for that scene alone I it's definitely an experience that that you watch the first time you, you you'll never be able to duplicate that feeling but what's next best thing is I think a week later I brought. A woman I was dating to to see it, and it was with the audience, and we all and she and she also had to kind of pit and drop me something. Watching other people experience that for the first time is almost as good as watching it for the first time. Excellent pick, damn! <laughs> literally crossing it out. Well, uh, that, you got to be honest, right? If I don't yeah. go, is that what's that? You're, it's got to be a top three, no? Oh, I, mean, I, don't have, I don't have any order per se. I just have okay. like ten because okay. I know this order can get fucked up. So I'm sorry. So, so since you said the terms, my dude, I'm going. I'm going off top rope as, as well. Empire Strikes Back. Damn it! I was five when I saw this. 
it was a five, uh, four, four and a half, maybe four and a half, five thing came out that summer. Anyways, uh, and I couldn't get all of the themes. I couldn't get it, it all entirely, but I will never forget. I will never forget the one scene where he goes, and spoiler alert, I guess this entire podcast will be a spoiler alert, damn it. When he goes, Luke, I am your father. God damn. That is what definitely, I mean, you will never, as a child, you will never get over that feeling. You will never get over that feeling of finding out that the the, the biggest villain in probably cinematic history up to that point is the father of our hero. Darth Vader becoming Luke Skywalker's, or revealing he's Luke Skywalker's father. <sighs> There's nothing that beats that. It's just insane. I mean, when you see the very real, scrunched-up face of Mark Hamill going, ah, no, no, it's impossible. I mean, you felt that in the pit of your stomach. It's incredible. What an incredible first time watching experience, especially as a kid. Hopefully, Stringer, when you watched this, you were it was as a child because there's nothing like seeing seeing that entire original OG trilogy from through childlike eyes the you know, the, the bant uh, the the, the bantha monsters the the tauntauns the speeders ice hoth i mean everything was just it was just movie making on the grandest scale for a kid for a child it really is and it looks like we might have lost stringer hopefully he'll jump back in into this uh you know we love his input on this but yeah this is this is definitely my movie for number two, all right, looks like he dropped off and we'll be jumping back on. We're gonna keep rolling, damn it. I'll, uh, I have a couple more things to say about Star Wars, about uh, Empire Strikes Back. Just the effortless, the effortless cool of Han Solo. Man, I mean, obviously, this probably wouldn't be so PC today, but I remember at, because of Han Solo, I would go around <laughs> calling girlfriend sweetheart because he's just so cool doing it. I mean, yes, he's being sarcastic at the time of Princess Leia, but Han Solo, Harrison Ford's Han Solo was so cool. With the, with the whole, you know, sweetheart and his effortless charm, every kid wanted to be Han Solo when they grew up. Every kid, it was great. So anyway, yeah, this <clears throat> this is just I, I'll never ever forget the Luke I'm your father scene as a kid. Just incredible, just 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 incredible filmmaking, incredible, and, and, and just incredible for my childhood. And the way it left with the cliffhanger, where you wanted you wanted uh, a Return of the Jedi like tomorrow. Just a phenomenal. What a, I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm glad I have such a truncated memory of those years because I can't imagine waiting three years for such res, for resolution like that. It was just, uh, it was great. Just what a great, great movie. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, and the Carbonite scene too. I mean, you just had no idea where this whole franchise could go. Very scary. Very, very gripping. Ah, just loved it. Okay, so since we lost Stranger, I'm going to go on to my next movie which is going to be let's go with you know actually because i mentioned it i'm gonna go with back to the future too we already mentioned it to an extent why it's such a great movie back to the future too but it works as a great first time viewing experience because because I had never seen a vision of the future that was so bright and so hopeful because you had all the inventions and also what they did with the multiverse. This is my first exposure to the multiverse. 
I, I mean, I'm, what is this coming out, 89? So, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm 13 at the time this comes out. I had no concept of, of realistic versions of time travel. It's different. But I like the fact that they made it so it's easy to follow along. It's easy to to figure out, okay, well, if they do this and this makes a ripple, then it creates an alternate timeline. Like, you know, we weren't as sophisticated with the multiverses back then in the mainstream as we are now with the Avengers and what have you. And, I mean, people have been doing time travel shows forever, but this one really made it accessible to the masses, especially the kids my age. I mean, the, the score, the Alan Silvestri score just powers you through this entire film. And and just seeing all the ramifications and and yes the the whole photograph thing with him disappearing is hokey but gave a nice little tangible totem to hold on to and a marker of their progress or lack thereof and really added the emotional stakes to the entire thing i think even though it's almost it's almost sacrilege saying that back to the future you know one is in fear move to back to the future 2 but i admit that i enjoyed and still enjoy back to the future 2 much better because because of the future because of seeing the stuff that we really thought in 1989 was going to be accessible within 30 years. I'm still waiting. Like I said, I'm still waiting on my floating car, damn it. But, you know, hoverboards, I mean, it's just such a great, hopeful vision of the future that everyone really can get behind. We're kind of there. We're getting there with holograms. Uh, it's going to be a while before the flying car. There are some startups that are doing it. Hydrated food. I don't know if that sounds like a good idea, <laughs> but I just really love this movie. I really, really love this movie. The the, the color, the you know, the optimism, even when it gets dark, and just the sense of adventure in 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 these type of movies. Just great. Just totally, totally great. Recording. Stranger is back from the car this time. Welcome back, Stranger. And in your absence, I went ahead and did my first film, which was Empire Strikes Back. Took that off the the board real quick and also back to the future too what is your second film that you wish you could see again for the very first time so i just want to remind you you did go two films pre my birth again right so i think those <laughs> are safe plays i don't think i was picking anything that that came out before i was born you know um, good point, and i will adjust my strategy accordingly thank you for that's making all right that's all right <laughs> so my next one i think it may or may not be on your list um i thought it should have made the show last week uh but i'm gonna go rounders um ah. for any for anybody uh, like myself, like yourself, right, anybody who's played a significant amount of cards in their life uh, or just enjoys gambling uh, in any aspect, right, um, Stellar Cast, probably, in my opinion, one of the most, I guess if you want to call a realistic view of, of what that underground card scene uh, is like, right, for a lot of people, um, yeah. obviously, uh you know, his life of law school and, and all that. Um, if you watch the World Series of Poker, you'll hear a lot of law school students or dropouts um, <laughs> who are sitting at those tables. So um, just overall a great movie. Uh, like I said, the gambling aspect of it was, was spot on for the most part. Um, and just, just you know, again, a movie I'll watch every single time it's on. Um, would love to experience it again for the first time for sure. 100% great movie. I mean, it's it not only is it the definitive poker movie, it's probably the only great poker movie, <laughs> whereas they depict, you know, the, the action. I mean, well, some parts are a little unrealistic. I mean, when you think about it, he sat down against, you know, Johnny Chan with 10 big blinds and is like, with three betting him. Okay. But, uh, but aside from... You've got to spice it up somehow. Come on. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, get, I, I get it. But, I mean, uh, I, uh, but I love... 
for poker players though, we love this movie. It's it's the it's the movie we it's probably the only thing in poker that we all can agree on. And it's just such a it's 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 just such a it really makes it seem sexy and cool. It kind of I'm not sure if it kicked off like a poker boom per se. It definitely picked, uh, kicked off a little poker boom among my friends. I was living in in LA at the time. I think uh, when when this '98. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, oh, actually no. I saw this in Chicago. Then when I moved out to LA. Uh, it kind of we started doing home games stuff like that after this pre moneymaker effect, but this definitely kind of got us more interested into it. And of course, Teddy KGB, aka John Malkovich, that accent so over the top Russian. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd, I'd go out as far to say probably the most quotable, get one of the most quotable gambling movies ever. Yes, backwards and forwards. I mean, pay yeah. that man his money. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows check, 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 right? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I stick it for you. I stick it for you. This is such a great, great movie. Good pick. All right, so we're gonna snake style this. What's your uh, what, what's your next pick? What's your third one? Oh, okay. We're go, we'll go me again. Um, so third one was uh, on my list was Inception. Oh, interesting. Okay, you tell now. Yeah. Now, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, this is one you want to see in for the first time. So give me a rationale. I'll tell you why it's it was not on my list. I did consider it, but it's not on my list. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was on my list, off my list, you know, back and forth. I tried to avoid the major blockbusters, if you want to call it that. Um, but I just kill, I, I still kept finding myself back at this movie. Um, I think, so to me, I like... I like the fact that after I saw it the first time, I was like, I know I'm going to need to see this movie a handful more times to understand what I just watched, right, and to process it all. Um, and so that feeling at the end is what made me uh, want to put it on the list because I felt like there was just so much the first time through that, again, kind of like get out, right? I, I had to, you had to process it. There was so much going on. It left you on the edge with that whole – is the top, did it fall, did it not fall at the end? Um, that huge debate and battle that, that happened post-original, you know, weekend. Um, just just a phenomenal, you know, all-around movie in my, um, you know, my opinion. No, no it, it, it's, it's a top-notch movie for me. Probably one of my favorites. I love it. I've watched it numerous times and introduced numerous people to it. My only re- reason why I left it off my list is that the first time I saw it, in theater, it was great. Opening day, whatever, packed crowd, whatever. I think I might even seen an IMAX. I wanted to see it on the biggest screen possible. And as much, and I got maybe 75, 80% of it the first time through, enough to really enjoy it in the moment. But I felt like I was swimming underwater the entire time. I was always playing catch up, which is how he does it by design. He designs his movies for multiple viewings. I mean, you, I mean, I, I just saw Dunkirk like four times in the theater in different formats just to catch it all. It was great. So he, he designs movies for multiple viewings, which is, I mean, that's just great business. But also, I just felt like I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, drowning half the time in trying to keep up with, with the logic of it all that I, that that's the only reason why I left it off mine because the way I approached my list was movies that when seeing for the first time that, that I either got completely or had like an uh, initial thrill of, of discovery. This gave me too much to discover, too much thrills. So I think that this is, if we had a, a follow-up pod, maybe the next time you're on, of movies that were better the second time around, this is definitely on it. Actually, that's a great idea. Actually, let's book that. <laughs> what, are you doing? what are you doing in July, Stringer? <laughs> movies the second time around. 
Okay, write that down. All right. Uh, and looks like we're looks like uh, losing you a little bit. It looks like you're getting a red on your connection that says it's poor. So if we lose you, apologies to the audience and the draft mom. Oh, there he is. Up oh, a little choppy, um, but uh, I will go ahead with with my next film. See if we can give your, your connection a chance to catch up. Uh, my next film is you know what. Oh, we, okay, I was, I, I was actually playing the game badly and do another pre-birth uh, film, so I will stick to one that you might have actually had a shot at. Wow, I'm old. All these are like old movies. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with one I just like. It was recently featured on a Bill Simmons Rewatchables. I'm going to go with Armageddon. This one also, uh, you're probably 10, maybe, when, when this came out, so it might not have made your list. I love Armageddon. I'll never forget where I was when I saw this. I was, okay, so I was in my, it was a summer after my first year at, at, at grad school, grad grad acting school at the Paul Theater School. Fuck you guys, because you, you guys uh, kicked me after one year. Long, boring story, not going to tell it for the pod. Anyways, uh, it was that summer, uh, summer 98, 21, 22. Uh, I, I, my friend from, uh, from college was in town. Her and her girlfriend, the three of us, went to go see it at a packed, packed to the Gills Theater as a midnight showing, just when midnight showings were becoming a thing. Fourth uh, of July weekend, I believe, in Chicago. What a great weekend. We, we did the Taste of Chicago, all that sort of stuff. It's a great uh, weekend. Packed theater down, I think it was off Wabash in Chicago, downtown Chicago. And it was amazing. And it was one of those films where, and it's a bit of a cliche, but it's one of those, those you know, quote-unquote man-type films where we all almost kind of cry at the end, where, where Harry Stamper, you know, Bruce Willis is about to sacrifice himself to save the planet. And, and you see tears rolling up in, in Ben Affleck's eyes, and it just gets you, and, and this whole thing. It, it, the funny thing about this is I didn't even realize until I listened to that, that episode of The Rewatchables. I think, I think it had Bill Simmons, Chris Ryan, Shay Serrano on it. I think Shay was like, or maybe, Jay, maybe it was Jason Concepcion too. I think Jason said that it is easily the most right-wing <laughs> blockbuster film in history. And they and he, they ticked off the things, you know, the, the, the anti-Greenpeace, flags everywhere, super jingoistic. And it was, and guess what? No one cared. We love it. We bought it. It was fine. And it's still kind of subversely funny seeing him hitting golf balls under the Greenpeace tanker and calling him like, you know, peacenik, you know, hippie freaks, or whatever. It was fine because everything else about this movie just kicked ass. Look at this lighting. The blue lighting of of when they're 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 up there in the in the I think is that the the, the training pod or uh, yeah, they're on the space station maybe or he's telling him how to flip the switch I mean the lighting it, the whole thing is just Michael Bay at his, at his finest super commercial super just four quadrant audience you know right down the middle fastball I mean great special effects at the time I love this movie Armageddon what are your feelings about Armageddon I know you've seen this at least twice right Well, I think we you were kind of frozen there in time, Stringer. You know, we might yeah, have to leave. Seen, there you go. Um honest and not like probably kind of it. Oh no, you know what, Stringer, I'm sorry. I think we are going to have to lose you. Um <clears throat> the your your connection has been lost. No problem. We'll we'll keep moving on that. But 
uh, it'd be interesting to see what Stringer's thoughts are. Maybe we'll 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 come back around to him in the newsletter, get his thoughts for for what this movie was. Uh, yeah, your 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 signal's just too poor, Stringer. We we tried. Uh, <clears throat> appreciate you coming on the pod. I'm sure it did make the draft mom happy, and I'll tell her that you send her your love. All right, so my next film on the top five movies that we wish we could see again for the very first time. Apparently, I'm an old because all my movies <laughs> were either from when Stringer was not born or too young. But I'm, you know, actually, this one, this one actually holds up. This one he might have actually had a chance to see as a burgeoning adult. Pirates of the Caribbean. And this is another one. And I think, I guess I'll probably have a story every time when it comes to uh, when I first saw these or how I first saw these. I think this is back during my movie review do it, my movie review days uh, when I used to get screenings. I lived in LA. I was, it was kind of before blogging really. Um, or at least blogging wasn't like a big thing. I was just kind of cranking these out for a local so- SoCal newspaper and like uh, the black in LA site, black NLA.com. Uh, and I think I got a screening for this. I want to say I saw this at the El Capitan on Hollywood Boulevard. Anyways, I didn't know what to expect. I, I mean, it obviously it was going to be, obviously it was, it was, it was going to be, um, is is going to be a uh oh, and hold on one second technical difficulties there we go <clears throat> sorry we had to kick you um all right and so i guess we'll cut around this all right anyways so this is one where we kind of know what to expect we knew it was good it was a big splashy summer movie jerry bruckheimer Johnny Depp looking crazy. We had, but no one really knew what to expect of Jack Sparrow. So when Depp came in with this slurring, androgynous craziness, sort of, I mean, it was it was a shock to the system. Matter of fact, there's very famous reports of how Disney would see dailies and were just shitting bricks because they, they did not know what Johnny Depp was doing. You know, they're very fearful at the time like idiots that oh what is he gay is he bi wait what is he what is he doing here why is he slurring his words we don't like they just did not know what to make of his captain jack sparrow well turns out captain jack sparrow is was iconic and, and for a movie based off of a theme park ride well hell you could have done worse right so anyways this is this was a great first viewing experience be, mostly because we had some expectations but they were totally subverted it was more of a of of it was actually it was a theme park ride of a movie as it was it was just a great time of the movies i enjoyed the hell out of it it was great so definitely pirates of the caribbean definitely a movie that i wish i could see again for the first time knowing what little i did going into it made stars out of everyone involved and johnny depp was already a star but definitely gave land orlando bloom some profile and cemented the love we had for kira knightley I mean, I think she was in Love Actually the year after this, before this. Anyways, great Keira Knightley stuff. I used to have a wall. Actually, I'm sure I still have these portraits somewhere. I used to have a wall of framed portraits of just kind of, you know, printed portraits of some of my favorite actors. Not the best actors, but some of my favorite actors at the time that would adorn my living room wall. And Keira Knightley was on there, mostly on the strength of Pirates of the Caribbean. 
well done, everyone involved. All right, so that makes three for me. So my fourth movie, I, and once again, we're going pre-Stringer, an homage to before Stringer was born. We're going Top Gun, damn it. And imagine this. Imagine you're 86, so yeah, so I guess I was 10. My mom, I mean, draft mom, shout-outs to her because she took me to see this movie. This movie was rated. How, this movie was rated PG, but yet obviously Tom Cruise gets some. It was a little embarrassing watching this with your mom to an extent at that age. But you know what? Shouts to the draft mom. She knew I could handle it, and and it, it's got some some darker themes in there. You know, we lose Goose up there in a tragic death. You know, we we have a lot of shit talking in the locker room. We have you know. MIG fights and dog fights and, and, and stuff like that. People, you know, having to eject because their shit's on fire. Like, I get it. But Top Gun, this is an amazing movie to, to watch the first time, to see just the sheer star power. And, and I mean, Tom Cruise is still a star today, and he, and he has truly, truly worked at it over the years. But this is just peak Tom Cruise. He's coming off the color of money. He's coming off of, uh, what, I mean, he's coming off of, uh, of, what was that other movie he was in? Um, uh, uh, well, Risky Business kind of kicked it off. Uh, Color Money add, definitely added to his profile. He also uh, also had uh, what was the one? Um, definitely before Jerry Maguire. Eighty four Tom Cruise was like the hottest thing going on around. Yeah, all the right moves. I didn't. I wasn't really into into Legend per se, but Risky Business definitely got him up there, and and Top Gun is what made Tom Cruise Tom Cruise. I, I can't remember which one. I think maybe Top Gun did come up before Color of Money, but he had a hell of a year. Cocktail, a movie about bartenders for crying out loud. He made that shit sizzle. Just such a great Tom Cruise stretch. And Top Gun is just. I mean, it's action, it's romance, it's friendship, tragedy, loss, redemption, and. Kind of like Armageddon, another one of those, you know, fully backed by, by the U.S. Navy movies. It's, I mean, some, I forget what the actual stat, but Navy recruitment skyrocketed, skyrocketed after this movie came out. It, it, it's basically a two-hour advertisement to be a fighter pilot. It was great. And that, and that bomber jacket, the iconic multi-patch bomber jacket was a thing back then. Oh, and it's Aviators. I'm not, I, I kind of wonder if the term aviators even came from this movie because, you know, once you put on on those iconic sunglasses, that also took off. I mean, this thing was just was just an ancillary marketing machine. So Top Gun, you, sexy, cool, the, the beach volleyball scene, iconic for all sorts of different reasons. Just a great time in the movies. I loved it. Loved it, loved it. Great first time seeing it with the draft mom in 86. All right, and let's see, one, two, three, four, and my final movie, one, two, three, four. Oh, actually, that might have been five. One, two, three, four. That actually was five, but you know what? We're going to do a bonus one since we're missing Stringer's input. And I'm actually going to do a bonus two real quick. Crimson Tide, Electric. Another great summer movie, 95. Yeah, so I saw this on summer break down in South Center, this, the old South Center AMC. Actually, South Center's AMC is there, but they, they moved it. It used to be a one-off, a big, round theater 
where everyone's uh, another one of those, you know, one screener, one offs or whatever. Great movie going experience. Once again, had no idea what to expect. Thought it, and you kind of thought, okay, what's this Hunt for October ripoff doing? But it was better than that. I mean, well, you know, actually, yes, I will say, I will say Crimson Tide is better than Hunt for, for Red October, even if Hunt for Red October kicked it all off. Just the tension uh, uh, between between Hackman and Washington, just two all-time great actors at the top of their game. I mean, the, the world definitely misses Hackman. I know he retired. Uh, I think was I think Hackman's last movie was Enemy of the State? Was it Enemy of the State? Which also, great film, if you ask me. Uh, oh, no. Actually, his last movie was Welcome to Mooseport. Yee, okay. Anyways, uh, Hackman was just, just a great actor, a great direction. Tony Scott. Tony Scott. Easily, easily in my top five of all-time action directors. I mean, this guy, speaking of Tony Scott, he was the one who also directed Top Gun, I do believe. So Tony Scott, just just one of the all-time greats when it came to action movies. Uh, I mean, we miss him every day. His brother Ridley, no slouch either. He gave us Gladiator, which was also on my list, but we won't go into it. But this is just a great movie, extremely rewatchable, and I'll and I just remember how excited I was for a submarine movie. I had stumbled onto an entire genre I didn't know I loved, which was the submarine flick, submarine action flick. I love that stuff. Uh, total cultural cul-de-sac. And aside, there's one called The Wolf's Call. It is in French. It is excellent. You need to check it out. Yes, subtitles, whatever. Another one of the all-time great submarine flicks, The Wolf's Call. Uh, what is, uh, they, in the near future, a French submarine finds itself in an international crisis where, you know, basically nukes are involved, geopolitical politics are involved, and they're trapped in a tin can. And everything kind of hinges on on the, the sonar reading capabilities of, of their sonar tech. The guy they call... Um, uh, they, they call them. They call them socks. Uh, uh, was it Shuet? No, they call them socks. Uh, and everything kind of hinges on this one dude's interpretation of what he's hearing. It, it's so thrilling. Just a great time in streaming. I saw it on Netflix. I think it might still be on Netflix. So check, definitely check out the Wolf's Call if you're into submarine movies. And then, of course, the other bonus one I'll give you is Bad Boys. Bad Boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we come for you? Yes, you gotta learn the words, man. You gotta learn the words. In '95, what a, what a great time of the movies in '95. Damn it, Bad Boys. Will Smith was doing his whole Fourth of July debut thing. He was he owned Fourth of July for something like three straight years with like Independence Day, uh, uh, Bad Boys, Wild Wild West, things of that nature. But Bad Boys, you know, really. Uh, really did help elevate his action profile. I mean, and you have to remember, in 95, this was actually a risk, if you can believe that. Putting two comic actors together, one full-fledged comedian, Martin Lawrence, in an action movie, and have them be black? I mean, and they dumped a ton of money into this. Of course, this is Michael Bay's signature film. I think his first feature film. He was mostly known for commercials and music videos, and this put everyone on the map. It was great. And all sorts of great tales from production came out on from this. The whole the the one I liked the best that most that I heard most recently was when 
was when Michael Bay insisted that uh, Will Smith's shirt be off or something uh, when he's running in the street, shoot, you know, shooting uh, guns, whatever. And Will Smith is famously pushing back, like, no, this makes no sense. Why is my shirt off? Why is my shirt off? He, and then they came to a compromise, have it unbuttoned. And so that iconic shot of him running around the corner, shirt flying open, seeing all the young Will Smith, you know, chest muscles and what have you, uh, yeah, and just totally making him look like a movie star. And after they shot it and he showed the daily back to, to Will Smith on site, he was like, and that's why I just made you a fucking movie star is what Michael Bay allegedly said. And it's true. Totally true. Everyone <laughs> look, Michael Bay, <laughs> just young confidence, eternal. I mean, the guy just came, just announced his presence with authority with a bang Bad Boys, love it. One of my all-time favorite movies, and just the thrill of seeing two guys look like me, having fun, kicking ass, just true brotherly camaraderie in Miami, of all places, just having a great time. It's the ultimate summer escape movie. I loved it. So those are my films, and Bad Boys, Bad Boys, what you're going to do now that we've come for you. (laughs) Okay, and let us go to a break where we will explain to you the draft stream game, and we'll give you our draft stream update, and we will tell you all about the Cinema Draft game and how draft stream game, which will be our signature product as we return from hiatus and redeveloping the site, and how you can play the draft stream game and get involved on the alpha test action right now. Movie theaters are on a hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. Draft Stream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10 actor call sheet, no more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three actor types for your 10 actor call sheet. One headliner, a co-star, and a day player. Scoring is based on weighted averages of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores, plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus, while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. Often, there is a $50 prize pool with $35 going to first and $15 going to second for the top two non-Cinema Draft employee players. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the Rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Thanks for your help, and good luck. And we're back. All right, so let's do with our quarantine movie of the week. Last week's quarantine movie of the week, and let me share my screen for those watching at home. Last week's quarantine movie of the week was Uncorked. 
where which was a Southern sommelier in training who balances his own ambitions with the pressures of taking over the family barbecue restaurant business set to a delightful hip hop soundtrack. That was awesome. I enjoyed Uncorked and enjoyed some of your responses throughout social media. Today's quarantine movie of the week will be The Farewell. It will be up by the time you guys watch this as we post on Wednesday morning. But The Farewell, which was a nice touching Indie with Aquafina, basically a multi generational story of how a Chinese American named Billy, who returns to China to see her beloved grandmother, there she goes, and it's an amazing, an amazing performance by, I believe her name is, is it, I think it's, yeah, uh, Shuzen Zhao. Oh my goodness, she was great. So, I mean, just, just a real shit talking, spicy grandma. Uh, basically, she returns to China to see her beloved grandmother before she dies, and the whole family, just to kind of keep her mind at ease, is, is all in on the secret that they're not going to tell that she's actually dying. They just want her to live her normal life, enjoy her last few days without letting her know that she's actually dying. It's really touching and emotional. I enjoyed it tremendously. And like I said, great performances. Great performances by, by the grandma. There's, yeah, she's in, she's in Zhao. She's awesome. And Aquafina too got some got, got some was it maybe a film festival and and theater critic buzz. I don't think it quite made it to the Oscars, but it was a really great touching movie. Give me your tweet length review at Play Cinema Draft. This is us right here. Give us your tweet length review and tell us what you think of the farewell. All right, and actually now let me. Go, let me set this up for you real quick and do our our draft stream update. And as you heard in for those of you listening on the podcast about the draft stream game, it's basically our streaming adaptation of Cinema Draft, where we've come up with a whole new scoring system and and a whole a whole new bag to get you involved in 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 the ratings and reviews of streaming content. That is how we do our scoring. Last week, Jaybird won yet again, demoralizing us for a fourth week in a row, had a very solid call sheet, still about mm, 40 points off the pace from the perfect call sheet, which involved another lucky Chinese grandma, lucky grandma, Vital, Diana Kennedy, and the trip to Greece. But his call sheet, which went with a bit of a spread it around strategy was good enough to win for the fourth week in a row. He had a headliner stack of control Z had one headline from Diana Kennedy, nothing fancy four pack of lucky grandma, which was the highest scoring title on in the talent pool this week. Penance headliner and the headliner stack from the trip to Greece. I myself was close, but no cigar. If the trip to Greece had actually gotten a Rotten Tomatoes audience score, which was a bit of a bit of controversy in the group chat this week. Then, if, if it hadn't gotten a score of seventy-seven, I'd have won this bitch. <laughs> but what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Anyways, uh, let, a real taking a real quick look at this week's talent pool. It brings you a full fifteen title slate of interesting streaming content. Everything from series to movies to miniseries. <clears throat> The quiz miniseries debut on AMC on, on Sunday night. We're, we're trying our hand at Quibi once again. Don't let us down, Quibi. Quibi with the show Royalties. 
starring Kether Donahue and uh and oh what's his face? Um lose oh yeah, uh uh John Stamos and Darren Chris. There, Darren Chris and Catherine Donahue. There we go. So that should be interesting to see if that rates any scores for the weekend. Oh, we've also made some updates. Two important updates we've made to the game. Lowball. Lowball is a new wrinkle we're adding to the main game. For those of you who are tired of competing with Jaybird, you can try to get low. Lowball is basically using the same rules to assemble a call sheet, but you must have a minimum of 50,000 on your scoring call sheet, 50,000 salary used, a minimum of three different titles, and you and you are aiming to get the lowest score. So the lowest score in each week will get a bonus prize. So this week we have a $50 uh, prize pool, $35 to first, $15 to second, with an additional $10 lowball bonus for the person who gets the lowest score while adhering to the lowball scoring rules. So check this out, last week, our lowball, our well, the lowball perfect call sheet looks something like this: a lot of day players, a lot of, of the lowest scoring title to be sure. Also, you have to have a headliner, a co-star, and a day player, just like a normal call sheet. And this is what a per, what a lowball perfect score would look like: 60, 652.94 points. Our lowball winner would be Red Ibis, our girl Deidre. I mean, and she tried. She wasn't aiming for the low ball, but she got it nonetheless. She had the lowest score. She had three. T- she had more than three titles. She had one, two, three, four, five. She actually had six titles on here, which might have been the reason why her call she didn't perform better. But she at a thousand and seven points. She was the lowest in in our scoring right here. And she adhered to the rules and she had over 50,000 in budget. So rats to Deidre for the $10 bonus in the low ball, or I mean, or at least thanks for playing. <laughs> there you go. So be very interesting to see if anyone goes for the low ball this week. Uh, it's, it's achievable. There's $10 in, in free money able to be won every week. If you adhere to the low ball standards. All right. And actually if I get the low ball, I'm not saying that I'm going to go for it. If I get the low ball, then we'll just roll that money into the following week. All right. So for those of you going low, make sure you have 50,000 salary, three different titles while maintaining uh, the same call sheet characteristics as we know and love. We've got some interesting titles to pick from here. Space Force is definitely going to be our most expensive title, a record for draft streams so far. Look at this. 27,600 for Steve Carell. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a no brainer. Greg Daniels, Steve Carell, got same guys from the office. I'm excited. Everyone's going to have their eyeballs on it. It will definitely get rated in all four quadrants. So just look out for, for this. We will have a link in the description to this podcast episode to this week's game and Make sure you follow the rules and best practices on the rules tab, and make sure you submit these by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, it's time to bring this in for a landing. I'd like to thank Stranger for trying to battle the issues. We appreciate your playing with us this or your appearance on the pod this week. Sorry, we couldn't get the technical difficulties worked out at your location. Uh, And we will be back next week with another great guest talking more great cinema draft and draft stream games. 
And while, every, while America is slowly opening up in spots, just be safe, be careful. I'm not going out until probably a month past safe. But please, if you do go out, be safe, wear a mask, keep your distance, and masking is caring. All right. Now, uh, this is normally where, where I'd tell someone to go ahead and plug their ish. Stringer is gone with no ish to plug. But as we will sign off and like to remind you, don't go out and see a movie or something. There are no real movies to see. Or if you do go see a movie, maybe a drive-in might be okay. Just be careful at the bathrooms and stuff. But if you're staying home, which we hope you are, quarantine with a movie or something and have a good time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for playing the draft stream game. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook Cinema Draft, Instagram at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.